Welcome to the Dogsthorpe Infant School, part of Hampton Academy's Trust. It's time to dream, believe, and shine. This is your captain speaking. We've been cleared for departure. Okay, Eddie, start the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. listening to Launchpad. Welcome back to Launchpads. We've got Louise Messier. It's lovely to have you on the show, Louise. Now, uh, Louise is bringing a very important subject, and this is about food and uh, how we relate to food. And that's a very important subject, whether you're a young mum trying to encourage your young child to feed, or whether that's you're a child or a young person yourself listening to this, and the way we approach food. And that's why I saw Louise's website and I thought we must get her onto the show. Louise, it's lovely to have you with us. Thank you very much for having me. Could you tell us, please, a little bit about what you do and what you offer? So I am a nutritional therapist, which is a little bit different to some of the traditional roles you associate with people who work with food, like a dietitian or somebody like that. See, my role is more about our relationship with food. And that starts very early on in embryonic life. So it really is a journey that starts before we're born. Um, And that journey that we have with food has to last our entire lifetime. So we have to have a healthy relationship with food. And that all comes from our head and how our food choices are driven is all in our head. So when people approach food with a, oh, you must cut this out, or you must eat this, or here's a meal plan, we're not getting to the root of the problem, or if there is a problem, we're not getting to the root of the issue. We have to view food as a therapy. We have to view our relationship with food as something that starts in our head. So our emotional attachment to food and our decisions around what food we choose and what food we want and what food we feel guilty about all start in our head. So my role is to really often change people's lifelong perception of their food relationship and to change their role in thinking what they eat and how that impacts on their body. And people often have a love-hate relationship with food and have low self-esteem based on the foods they eat. And that is really quite deep-rooted and often relating to childhood which is why I did the book around starting it early with children. There are two factors really as to why we are getting unhealthier. And I talk about this in a, in a biological way, the, the sciencey bit, we talk about this in the role of epigenetics or how we change through generations, through um, the way we live our lives. So if we go back 40, 50, 60 years, our food landscape, was very different. Food was much more natural and resembled food much more than it does now. Even our farming was much more natural because obviously there's many more people who need feeding. So everything's been accelerated and we have to have everything instantly. So everything has changed in our food landscape. It's a lot more processed, a lot more convenient. 
And a lot has changed in our external environment as well. So put the two together, we eat more strange ingredients. We don't necessarily eat more and we don't necessarily eat bad foods, but the food itself has changed. So people aren't making conscious decisions to eat unhealthily. They're most of the time unaware that the food they are eating is having a detrimental impact on the health, which is the most concerning element of our change of food for me. And couple that with the fact that we externally, our environment has made it possible for us not to move as much. Um, and generationally, we are moving less with each generation. So yes, absolutely. Those two things are having a huge detrimental impact on health. But the way that I talk about this, it's, it's so gradual. If the changes happened overnight, everyone would feel terrible. They'd be achy, they'd be headachy, they'd feel sick, they'd feel bloated, their skin would look dreadful. Everyone would feel just bleh. But because it's been very gradual and everyone's got used to just feeling not quite perfect, but they just put up with that thing, oh, I'm just a bit tired, headachy, don't sleep brilliantly. But that's just the way it is. And people have just kind of accepted not feeling brilliant and have forgotten that actually it's possible to feel a lot better than we do. All very, very important stuff. But for, um, and our eating habits have changed. I mean, I remember when I was young, um, it was very, very important to have fresh vegetables and, and people did it every day. My mum used to come home and prepare fresh vegetables. But if you're a young mum where both parents are working, you're leading a very busy life, or even if you're a single parent, you know, mm -hmm. you come home, you've got maybe two or three kids to feed. It's that microwave's in the corner. It's very easy to get something out that's quick, pop it in, ding, it's ready to go. But the, the actual food itself isn't helpful. Is that what, what you're saying? Is it's unha unhealthy? Yeah, there's a, there's a combination of factors. One is that we do, we, I, I recently wrote um, an article to say that we basically are operating in a world that's too fast for our biology our bodies are not able to cope with the pace of life that's now expected of us. So we are having to operate at a level of stress that's not healthy for the body. So we're all too busy. You know, everyone I talk to is busy, 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 busy. Um, and that comes with, you know, factors that we don't have as much time to plan things. Do You know, people say, well, I, I don't have time to plan a meal. I don't have time to even write a shopping list. Um, so all of those things are, a creation of this world that we now have to live in. We have to live in this fast paced world and it's getting faster and we do have to sometimes take the foot off the pedal and think, what are we really trying to achieve with this pace of life that we live in? Because it definitely takes a toll on our health. But the practical side of that, we know there's a physical toll placed on health, but we can't, day to day, we can't, we can't think about that because we just have to put food on the table. As you say, there's children whinging for food. And if they don't have food instantly, they're going to start wanting snacks and then that puts them off the meal, etc. So we know there's the practical elements. And that's exactly why the changes to the food landscape have been created. They fix that problem. So they fix that problem by having all the offers as you walk into a shop on all the things that are fixing that problem for you. It's quick, it's easy, it's child-friendly. It, you know, we're not meant to, but they still advertise with things, like characters and things and products to make it appealing to the child. They are fixing that problem, but they are exacerbating the health issue. Yeah, and, and linked to that, of course, is, 
is is the fact that we are sedentary because we uh, when I when I was young this for you children listening you won't believe this but I actually when I was young if I wanted to watch the other side on the TV if I wanted to watch another channel I had to get up walk over to the TV and press a button whereas now we can just sit in our chairs um, we can even ask our smart speakers to do things and and even have our food delivered to our door so we don't have the exercise of walking around the shops mm -hmm. I mean all of these things are against us Louise aren't they mm -hmm. oh absolutely we are we are living in what's referred to as an obesogenic environment everything in the environment is tailored to making people unhealthy it's actually really hard to not be unhealthy in the world that we live in um, because everything is designed to fix a problem. And that problem is the instant I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm worn out, I'm stressed, I need to do something. So there's the easy solution. Now, the problem I have in, in knowing all of this and trying to, to write my book around how we, how we can work with this is there is no easy way to change that because that is a global industry change. And America has been ahead of us um, for several years with with the changes to their food landscape and, and the amount of, you know, obviously they are as well still more sedentary than we are. I think we still move a little bit more than that because we, we do, you know, we can walk to more places than people can in America. Um, but those those factors are set in stone almost and they will only get worse because we're not going to slow down. So they'll keep coming up with new solutions to fix the problem. So for particularly for teens, I think they are of a generation, you know, if you have that age group listening where they can start to make their own decisions and they can either fall really into this marketing trap of fixing this convenient food problem, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Or they can think, no, I don't want to be part of this. I can see what it's, it's my body, it's my health, it's my future and start to take ownership because the only way I can ever advise people is to be informed that this is what the situation is. Be aware that this is the situation. It is not going to change. Many people say, oh, well, the government need to do something. They are not going to. <laughs> you know, They are not going to make a change to a highly profitable way of doing something. So we need the only thing we can do in all practical, you know, day to day things is be aware. Now, the simplest thing to do when you're shopping quickly on a product, turn it over. If the ingredients are more than eight seven or eight it's likely to be full of rubbish so if it's something that you think it's like a microwave meal and it's it's got four or five ingredients that's going to be okay it's fixing the problem but it's going to be okay it's not full of weird things if you turn it over look at the label and it's full of what sounds like a science experiment things you don't understand things you don't recognize as food they've all been put there just to make that product you know palatable and live a long time on the shelf and certainly not been designed with health. So one of the easiest things to do in a supermarket is look at the list of ingredients. If it looks weird and random, let's try and ignore it and look for something else. Now, we can't all spend ages in the supermarket, I know that, but it's a quick thing to do. Turn over, have a look. If it looks really long, try to ignore it and pick something that doesn't look as long. Dogsthorpe community, community is mm -hmm. an area of a great need and there are all sorts of pressures on families and it's going to get worse with the, the present financial mm -hmm. restrictions. And yet the food manufacturers seem to be playing on that. And mm -hmm. something came through my door from a well-known supermarket chain that sells discounted food. And it came through our letterbox the other day and I looked at it and all of the stuff that was really, really cheap was the stuff that 
Louise, I know you would throw straight into the bin, <laughs> you know, because and and that's the problem, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That that in in a bit in a strange sort of way, it seems like because of um, the convenience and because of the cheapness. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, look how how well known burger chain is selling very very cheap burgers that people are parents are going to say, Do you know what, let's take them to that particular burger chain mm -hmm. and buy a cheap burger when in actual fact you could make a baked potato or and yeah. put, you know, something in it that's really, really nice, put some mints or something if you're a mm -hmm. meat eater or something veggie and not. And mm -hmm. you could, you, it is very easy to do a, a good meal at home, but that yeah. the odds are stacked against the parents, aren't they? I think that the marketing and the convenience is definitely gearing people to this easy solution. And as I say, the, the only thing we can do is to be informed. Now, in my role, and I'm also a parent, I often get, oh, but it's just a tree. Oh, but, you know, a little bit doesn't do you any harm. And it didn't, it didn't do me any harm. Nearly every day I hear these things. Now, I'm not a mean person, um, but... It's not just a treat, um, unfortunately, particularly before the age of five. And as I say, our relationship with food starts before we're even born, because before we're even born, the, the diet of our parents impacts on the health of the baby that's created. Um, so it, there's an impact before we even are, you know, a tiny embryo that our food relationship has started. Um, but particularly before the age of five, and I know you have very young children and parents of very young children, people who are very young children listening, that is a crucial window of opportunity. I call it a window of opportunity because if we imagine small babies, toddlers, children, their palate is a blank canvas, absolutely receptive to whatever we give it. So we can feed that palate development we can feed those taste preferences from a very early age now the food industry and all the changes we've been talking about in the food landscape have designed and it is artificial it's it's chemically engineered food so we've got to stop talking about it as food food because it isn't it's it's different to food food it's it's manufactured food they have designed food that's what the industry call hyper palatable which means it's a, a heady mixture that you would not get in nature of salt, sugar, and sort of fat in this combination that really activates the taste sensation to be something like, that's amazing. It fires up parts of the brain. In my book, I have a whole section on how to build a brain, how to feed a brain, because the brain is really influential in our food. So this hyperpalatable food fires up parts of the brain that are the same parts of the brain that are linked with reward and addiction. So if we consider in the age of naught to five, we start to introduce these hyperpalatable foods, which are all around the food industry, anything that's processed has been designed in this way. That palette, that blank canvas of that really young child starts to accept those foods as the taste it expects. And so the taste sensation, it's expecting salt, sugar, fat in that combination. Then we'll think, oh, we better give them something healthy. It's going to be rejected because the palate is expecting that flavor. If we do that before the age of five, we know that the taste sensations and preferences are going to be geared towards artificial foods. That child then, unfortunately, that all the pathways that connect food with 
um, food decisions, like they see something in a supermarket and they recognize it, they want it. People often call it a tantrum. It isn't, it's a biological response. They are responding to a need that their body is recognizing. Um, All those drivers, all those emotional connections with food, fairly deep rooted by the age of five if they've been introduced young, which means that from there on in, it's almost a battle with food they'll see sweets they'll want them they'll almost have a tantrum when they want them you know they'll they'll see a a fast food place that they recognize and they'll whinge to go there etc etc and none of those things make a very easy ride for the parent but it's it's it is achievable to create a natural taste palette in a child has you know before the age of five before those tastes are introduced particularly sugar there's no need for sugar. It has no nutritional benefit whatsoever. It doesn't add anything to the party, but it takes a lot out of the party. So I'm not being mean. I see the biology when I when I say these things. You mentioned your book. Um, could you tell our listeners a bit more about it and what it offers? Yeah, my book is called How Food Shapes Your Child. And I wrote it when my little boy was due to start um, school. So he was very young starting school he just after his fourth birthday and he was the youngest in the year he still is and um, I thought I'll do this I was already qualified as a nutritional therapist but I'd seen this course about advanced nutrition for children's brain development I thought I'll do that a bit of fun because that's the sort of thing that I consider fun Um, and it will help me to support him at school etc I'll I'll be able to feed him better etc but it it has to say completely rocked my world doing this as the research in that course, the, the impact of formative nutrition, the true impact of it was phenomenal. I mean, we do not expect this generation of children to live as long as their parents. That's the impact that food and lifestyle changes are having on children. Mm. And I'm sorry to be so, you know, doom and moon, doom and gloom here on a Monday morning, but that's what we're walking into. Right. And we don't have to. We don't have to. So the book rocked my world completely. And I wanted to, I I thought people don't know this. People don't know the true impact. We know we all know how to create bowls of mush to wean a child, but where do we go after that? What's really out there? So, So yeah, I wanted to make a book that was part nutritional science. So it goes into the, some of the epigenetics, some of how to build a brain, some of the, for teachers, some of the foods that impact on mood, concentration, behavior, attention, memory, all those sorts of things that signs for, you know, deficiency symptoms of certain foods are often sort of miss, sort of, sort of they're, they're, they're viewed as ADHD or something like that. And it could just be a nutritional deficiency and children are often labeled for something like ADHD when actually it's a nutritional deficiency. So I wanted to say, well, there's more to children's health than than perhaps what we're looking at. Children don't always need to be labelled. So there's lots in there about the nutritional science, but I didn't want to make it too grown up for children. So my little boy helped to design the characters. There's a team of characters in there and he did Captain Red Pepper Pants. Um, And there's Dr. Bertha Carrot, who does all the sciencey bits. And then there's um, some other characters in there to make it 
children need to understand their own biology. We've spoke about teenagers taking ownership of their health, but very small children can as well if they understand. And they're not just told no sweets, but actually, actually, this is what sweets do for your body. And this is what fruit does for your body. And this is what happens in your body. And I talk to children about antioxidants and ninja vegetables going in to fight the bad stuff in the body and how your gut is populated with an army of bacteria and they go marching down the tummy when you you know when you eat certain foods children can and will take on that information and can and will make healthy choices they don't like being told but they can do it themselves so the book is is sort of for grown-ups and teenagers, I would say, and older children from year three, four onwards, who can start to understand a bit more. But it's also a recipe box. It's also got loads of recipes, which I think children should be involved in choosing their recipes, looking through cookbooks and picking what to have for tea, not just always having it plonked in front of them, because the more involved they are, the more likely they are to eat things. Where can our parents get hold of that book? So it's for sale on my website, um, which is thehealthcake.co.uk, and it's on the page of, there's a page of how food shapes your child, and there's a page of early years nutrition, so it's fairly easy to navigate around there, and it's just a normal PayPal or card links through there. Healthkick.co.uk, so kick, like a kick up the bum, um, health. We're not going to change industry, we're not going to change the government, we've got to just make our own decisions. And as much as I can help people with that, I will. Folks, if you didn't get the web address, it doesn't matter. It's going to be attached to this podcast. And um, parents, children, listen to this podcast and think about what you eat and think about the choices you make. And the next time you're passing that um, donut shop or that hamburger shop, think again, because you've got some important choices to make and it could and it will have an impact on your life. Thank you for your time, Louise. Thank you. And so another great show comes to an end. Eddie and Captain Dave thank you all for listening to their show. Tune in again soon when Eddie's Launchpad will be waiting to take you and your children on another exciting learning journey to dream, believe and shine.